0: Marriage and the Resurrection. Marriage and the Resurrection. Isn't this an interesting title for a sermon? Marriage and the Resurrection. It's interesting because what on earth does one have to do with the other? Just, you know, come I in. come on. Me getting married now, what does that have to do with Later. One moment, you'll get a chance to look at the thinking of people who would seemingly uh, make an attempt to connect these two uh, unrelated topics. But I do have a question for you now. Have you ever considered whether or not you're going to see your loved one when you get to heaven? Have you ever thought that when I get to heaven, I will see mama, and you go running to mama, or you may go running to your father, or there's my brother, let me run to my brother, come on. never thought that before I'm sure many of you have asked this question much like I have and it's it's normal it's normal because we have this personal desire inside of us to reconnect with those especially those that we know beyond a shadow of doubt has gone to be with with God when they pass away Amen. We have heard people use phrases like, surely you want to go to heaven because when you go to heaven, you'll be able to see your mother again, and you'll be able to see your father or your brothers or your sister. So wouldn't you want to go to heaven? Now, I don't think that should be our primary reason for wanting to go to heaven. Amen? Because if mama, daddy, sister, brother, cousin, uncle, aunt, or anything else, they don't make it to heaven, then uh, would you not want to go to heaven because they're not there? But how will we be related? How will we be connected to the person That we cry for at their passing when we make it into heaven. I know some of us have already formulated a few very definitive answers to these questions. But we're going to walk through this. And then also another really important topic. Number one, but we're going to deal with the question of relationships once we make it to heaven and as we walk through this the number one priority for us in our understanding of this is we must remain faithful to god's word amen mark chapter 12 verse 18 mark chapter 12 verse 18 Mark twelve, verse eighteen. The question of relationships in heaven. Verse eighteen. And Sadducees came to him, to him of course is Jesus, who say there is no resurrection. And they asked him a question, saying, Teacher. And the third, likewise, and the seven left no offspring. Last of all, the woman also died. In the resurrection, when they rise again, Mr. Jesus, whose wife will she be? For the seven had her as wife. So the Sadducees say, well, Jesus, according to what we read in the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, it tells us that it is the responsibilities of brothers to rear up offsprings to that wife if their brother passes away and does not have a child. But a whole slew, it must have been a really big family, right? Seven, seven boys. Whole slew of them came through, and none of them had children. So, when they get to heaven, in this resurrection, whose wife will she be? And as we see here, this question about marriage, and we can really say it's really about relationships as well, but in this section, it's really about the resurrection. The question really isn't about marriage, who's going to be related to who in heaven. The question is really about the resurrection. And we clearly see this here in this gospel. I want you to look at something very closely now. Uh, And and I call this the bookends. The bookends tell you much. Look at verse 18. And the gospel of of Mark, the writer, he tells us, he says, the Sadducees, so he makes the comment, the Sadducees came to him who say there is no resurrection. And then verse 23, look at the ends of this section. It says, in the where, in the resurrection. So, uh, everything else that's in between that basically what's happening there they're trying to set up an argument in order to talk about the resurrection. We see this very clearly. In the previous message Jesus remember that he had an encounter with the Pharisees and the Herodians. You remember that? You remember that? Question. they asked about paying taxes and who they should pay taxes to. So in their confrontation with Jesus, the Herodians and the Pharisees, uh, they appealed to a different source of power, and that different source of power basically was Caesar, or it was the government. Uh, Jesus, are you going to pay taxes to Caesar or not? What are you going to do? But now in this section the Sadducees, they appeal not to Caesar, not to the government in order to entrap Jesus, but they appeal to Scripture. The Sadducees, they did accept Scripture, but listen to this. These gentlemen, these uh, people who were so special, they only believed in the first five books of the Bible. Only the first five books. Everything else in Scripture, they could care less about. So if you spoke with them about the Psalms, they didn't want to hear it. If you spoke to them about the prophets, they didn't want to hear it. They didn't want to hear any of that other stuff. Nothing about King David. They didn't want to hear that. Uh, Their point of authority was the first five books of the Bible. Jesus then is confronted with the arrogance of these Sadducees who somewhat had a different bone to pick with Jesus. So uh, the Sadducees said that there was no resurrection, that it doesn't exist. There's no such thing as people being risen from the dead, mainly because they didn't believe in the resurrection. Uh, When they looked uh, in the Old Testament, and as they begin to peruse from Genesis all the way through the end of the, the first five books, Deuteronomy, uh, that they say, I see nothing in there concerning the resurrection. So, what does this talk about the resurrection? In fact, uh, I'm even going to try to trip you up about the resurrection. But I know that uh, we don't actually hear their words denying the resurrection. But Mark, the uh, writer of, uh, of this gospel, he has this God view and he knew exactly what their hearts were. These Sadducees, they were believed to have been a part of the aristocratic party. You know what an aristocrat is, right? Uh, it's not a Democrat or a Republican. No, not that kind of person. Uh, but it's a person who rules or holds some type of title based off of their parents or something like rank or privilege or even power you can imagine so they came right out of the gate downplaying jesus and his messiah complex because as with the pharisees and the herodians uh, this jesus he comes into the picture and he threatens their influence and their power someone that threatens you on the job, that one of the things that you want to do is get them out of the way. You want to figure out, how do I get them just out of my sight? Uh, So for the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the Herodians, and the scribes, they needed to get Jesus out of the way. So in their quest to fluster Jesus, they refer to Moses. Uh, to get to the heart of the matter about this so-called resurrection. Again, we see this in our reading that we just read. Uh, So we read that, and they walk through this, but how does Scripture really talk about this? Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 25, and we're not going to read the entire section because we have a long way to go, but Deuteronomy chapter 25, verses 5 and 6, and if you want to read more, in your free time go ahead and do that and in your own personal study Deuteronomy chapter 25 so if they had a point of authority with Scripture it was important that it comes out of the five first five books amen so this story that we see here it's coming from Deuteronomy right and Deuteronomy is that one of the first five books of the Bible and the answer is yes amen verse 5 If brothers dwell together, remember this is Moses instructing Israel. If brothers dwell together and one of them dies and has no son, the wife of the dead man shall not be married outside the family to a stranger. Her husband's brother shall go into her and take her as his wife and perform the duty of a husband's brother to her. And the first son whom she bears shall succeed to the name of his dead brother. Remember, this is, uh, we'll talk about that one second. So it is, uh, succeed to the name of his dead brother, that his name may not be blotted out of Israel. Standing in for your brother when he's no longer there. And I know you're saying to yourself, you mean God allowed that? God said that that's okay? Well, standing in for a brother, this was something that did not begin after the law was written. Are you aware of that? Are you aware that standing in for a brother, if he passes away, that it existed before Moses completed the law. There were many instances like this in which God, that he allows, because of their practical nature and his sovereign will. Well, tell us, oh pastor. Well, Genesis chapter 38, please. Uh, would you agree that in the book of Genesis, Moses was not born yet? Would you say yes or no? And the answer is yes. Moses was not born. Genesis... Chapter 38, beginning in verse 6. Three verses here. And Judah took a wife for Ur, his firstborn. Her name was Tamar. But Ur, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord put him to death. Then Judah said to Onan, Go in to your brother's wife and do what? Perform the duty of a brother-in-law to her. And raise up offspring for your brother. So again, if you get a chance, you can read the rest of that story in your free time. But the bottom line is that Onan, he refused because he knew that that child would not be his in essence, that that was really his brother's child. So he didn't want to do what God uh, basically had instructed for him to do. Uh, so therefore, God became really displeased with him, and God punished him, causing him to die. But again, you may be asking, why does God allow such a practice in the first place? Because it seems weird and strange to our ears, right? Can you imagine that happening in your family today? man, they'll talk about your family, and they'll have your family on the news, and you know that to be true. But it sounds strange to our ears because we have a different set of values in which uh, we live within this nation, especially growing up with the understanding of the New Testament. But for a moment, I need for you to think about the economic situation of that woman. That woman whose husband had passed away Leaving her with no child, especially no male child. Remember during these times a woman was taken from her family. Uh, so if you grew up in a household and the guy said, uh, look, uh, look uh, man, I like your daughter and I want to marry her. He said, okay, well you will have to give me a whole chest full of, uh, of money or give me like uh, 50 cows or something like that. Uh, And I'm not sure, so here you go, young ladies, Uh, those of you who are not married yet, I tell you this, make sure you're good to your parents, right? Because you want to make sure your parents don't give you away for half a cow. Make sure that when that man comes a-knocking, that your daddy, your mama say, okay, you got 50 cows for my daughter, right? Make sure it's something really, really good, so be good to your parents. So that, that woman, she was taken from her family. And she was married into a new one uh, where she could not work outside the home. Her family was the lifeline for any woman who found herself in a bad situation. And without a husband, a widowed woman could find herself on the street and poor. So if you didn't have the family and your husband away, then that woman, that wife, uh, that she could be on the streets. Well, think about it for a second. For uh, a lot of us here in America, I mean, we're just really turning this corner in a major way, because many of the women there—they they have jobs. Many of you ladies, you have jobs now, but you're still fighting. Uh, to get uh, uh, equal pay for doing the same kind of work. But always remember this, that in the past, that uh, if if someone had to choose between a, a lady and a man, that typically they would choose the man because he would be the head of the household and the woman was expected to be at the house. This is why we have so many laws that when there's a divorce, that they basically take everything from the man, especially from the woman who lived at home and took care of the family. It makes sense, right? Doesn't that make sense? They want to make sure that this woman and her children, for that matter now, in our society, are not on the streets. Because this woman, she could find herself begging for food and begging for money. So this is why uh, God would uh, make this happen. And this is something, quite frankly, that we have to consider even in uh, uh, some of the nations uh, from the East, in Africa. These uh, men and women who come to Jesus Christ, are these men who have seven wives, and they come to Jesus Christ. Well, they tried to... Uh, uh, I was speaking to someone who lived in Africa for 10 years, and one of the things that he was telling me in the area that he was, I can't think of which nation it was, uh, but he told me that uh, there were men that were coming to Christ, they're realizing they needed only to have one wife. And they said, well, uh, I'm going to go ahead and divorce all the other six, right? And then, uh, But I'm going to take care of all of them, and I'm just going to have this one. So what end up happening is they end up having the one, and then they end up doing nothing for the other six and all the other children. So how do you address this in those kind of nations today? Because there's no type of uh, uh, assistance uh, made available for those women today in, in many of those nations. So this is how God deals with the issue uh, concerning Deuteronomy and concerning a wife who happened to be widowed. So what were the Sadducees inferring through their example? They implied that since this interwoven and a very messy uh, relational situation exists here on earth, and we're supposed to be married in heaven, then the whole idea of, of the supposition of, uh, of resurrection is it, ridiculous. So if it's true that we are married here on earth and this marriage, It carries through all the way to heaven. Then whose wife will she be of the seven? So the Sadducees attempted to extrapolate from the Old Testament reasons to deny the resurrection and deny looking for hope after this life. But I tell you, brothers and sisters, if there is no resurrection, what? do you have if you are not going to be resurrected then what do you have brothers and sisters my question to anyone that holds to this point of view is that if there is no resurrection then where is your hope you're no different from anyone else that walks on this earth I mean, if you have no hope for a life after this one you're currently struggling with, then what's the use of scratching and scraping and trying to make it through? I ask this because what difference does it make? Whether you are good or bad, if all you have here is the here and the now, if this is it, what difference does it make? Now, I want to speak to you, even for some of you high school students, that some of you, you you reach this point in your life because life is in turmoil for you right now, not for all. And you're trying to make sense of it all. But I tell you to be patient and wait upon the Lord because the scripture says that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, you just hold on and wait for God to give you the understanding. So the issues at hand does not concern the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So again, the the resurrection that they're speaking of here is not of Jesus. As we know that this is absolutely critical to our faith. But he speaks of the resurrection of you, and also of me is there life after death Well, confusion about what happens after this life it's not brought about because of Scripture amen you know what the truth is but the problem is is that sometimes we hear people talking in our ears and sometimes we hear it so much we end up repeating And then we begin to believe that this is what Scripture says. That's not what Scripture says. So what exactly will you know and who will you know and be related to once you get to heaven? What will be your relationship to the people that you have lived with for so long, with the person that you're married to, with the person that you're looking at, with the person that you're sitting next to? What will be your relationship to that person once you make it to heaven? Sadducees, they they speak well about the resurrection. And they're talking as if they know everything about this resurrection. And it seems as if uh, they have grabbed and hold, have grabbed hold to this idea of the resurrection, but they don't believe a word of it. This is how we understand. They were setting the stage to try to ensnare Jesus using his own words. Well, marriage will not be what you may expect once you get to heaven. Marriage will not be what you typically expect in heaven. verse 24 of Mark chapter 12, Jesus said to them, This is not the reason you are wrong because you know neither the scripture nor the power of God for when they rise from the dead they neither marry nor are given in marriage but are like angels in heaven. right. But the first thing I just want to say, let's just go ahead and eliminate this one, right? You're not going to get wings once you get to heaven, okay? You're not going to get there. You're going to walk through heaven, and then God is saying, okay, let's let's see what size you are. Okay, uh, he needs an extra large. As a matter of fact, you know, uh, she may need uh, uh, four sets of angel wings to keep her floating up, right? Uh, no, uh, we will not need wings when we get to heaven. You said what it says but are like angels no it doesn't say you're going to be an angel Uh, god when he created creation and everything within it he created what he created angels right and then he created mankind and if god created angels over here never at any time did he create mankind to ultimately transform to be that in which he's already created on this side so god created angels and then god created people and people and angels they are not no 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 the same thing they will always be different So even the most privileged here, the Sadducees, they falter when they pit themselves against God, against Jesus Christ. Jesus said the Sadducees were wrong for two reasons. Number one, they didn't know the scriptures. Isn't that something you would think of someone who would study and study and study the scriptures, especially only five books, right? Man, look, Sadducees, y'all only have five books. We have 66 he says that they didn't know the Scripture, number one. And number two, they did not know the power of God. So if we carefully read uh, what the Sadducees said, it may cause us a little concern, especially when we consider Jesus' response. Uh, they wanted to know who's going to be related to who in heaven. Uh, isn't this similar to what we think? We say things like, I can't wait to spend time uh, with our parents or Or my grandparents, or my great grandparents. That's one thing I've said a lot. I would love to see, like my great, great, gritty, great, great, great grandparents, and say, "Hey, what's up, gritty, great granddad and gritty, great grandma?" I just want to get a chance to see. And I know some of you hope that when you are done with that man and woman on earth, that you hope that you've never had to deal with them again. You say, well, I know I really love them, but you know, God, like I get to have God, I'm just tired of it. You know what? I can see my wife maybe saying that sometime. I can see it, but, you know, no, I know it's not true. But I know she just loves all this. She says, even heaven, uh, she would probably say, for you, heaven or hell, right? Uh, I know she would say that, but uh, she would say, heaven, yes, hell no, right? why will marriage not be in existence in heaven because Jesus said the people will neither marry nor will they be given in marriage we see Jesus words right first according to scripture marriage is a godly institution that represents the relationship between Christ and the church right Marriage is an institution. It is a godly institution which represents the relationship between Jesus Christ and the church. So your marriage, when people see your marriage, they're supposed to see Jesus and the church. So if you, husband and wife, are fighting all the time, they're going to say, people may look at you and say, I never want to go to church. But what should happen is when, when they see you... Come on up here. Uh, come on. 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 on. She's going to preach with, with me right now. Oh, I, I, I was talking about my sister. No, come on. Come on. Come on. Right? So when you see us together, it's like, you know. We're matching together. <laughs> She says we're matching, right? Oh, thanks for pointing it out. So when you when you see us, you, you should be able to say, look at him. I want to go to church. If that's the way he loves her, and that's, if that's the way she loves me, you do love me, right? Yes, sir. Say it again in Yes, ear. sir. Okay. Right. <laughs> People are supposed to say that, I want to go to church. But if we're fighting and having fists and words all the time, And if this is supposed to represent the relationship between Christ and his church, people don't want anything to do with the church. If everyone is being divorced in the church, I don't want anything to do with your church or your Jesus. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Again, this is why fidelity in marriage is so critical as it represents the deep love Jesus has for his church. If a marriage goes sour, then it places a stain on Jesus in the eyes of those who are looking on. So if that's true, when uh, the church gets to heaven, then uh, there will be no reason... For uh, a marriage to represent uh, the love that Christ has for the church because it would be consummated once we get to heaven. There will be no reason for the example in heaven because in heaven it would just simply be. We would no longer have to talk about the marriage represents the love that Jesus has for the church because the church will be in heaven heaven. Amen? Secondly, marriage is important because it provides continuity for the human race. What? Marriage is important because it provides continuity for the human race. Uh, when, When God told Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply, it was from within the bounds of Marriage and human relationships, uh, uh, the way that it's supposed to happen. Through these faithful unions, the earth was consistently provided for and populated. The earth was created for people to inhabit. and Multiplication of people is even more important because uh, through the sin of Adam and Eve that it created physical death on the earth. And because of that sin, people are dying left. Well, we are dying left and right and left and right. And the earth needs to be consistently uh, repopulated. But once we get to heaven, then no, doesn't exist. But I hear what you're saying. And what about those folks who are, uh, those ladies say, I don't need a man to have a baby uh, because they can go to their doctor have a baby i said there's within the core of that i think there's something sinful about that especially when you make a definitive statement about i don't need a man to have a baby because god created the relationship of a marriage in order to populate the, the earth that he said be fruitful and multiply to whom to adam and eve not eve and the doctor So having said these two things, I believe there will be, yes, some kind of special connection between people who have been married. In addition, I expect there may be a special blessing involved for you as well. Why? Because you are living out uh, the command of God, in which God says to be fruitful and and to multiply. So because of your obedience, I believe you're going to have a special blessing on your life. The institution of marriage was such a big deal for God that He made sure it repeatedly highlighted uh, was repeatedly highlighted in the Old and in the New Testaments. Then, to top it all off, He made sure we understood that marriage represents the relationship between Jesus and His church. This is special to God, and marriage should also be special to you. But I'm not done yet. Would you turn with me to Luke chapter 18? Luke chapter 18, uh, starting in verse 29. We can move very quickly here. And he said to them, truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God, who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come eternal life. Right Now I want you to turn back to, uh, I think it's Mark chapter 4, Mark chapter 4, Mark chapter 4, in uh, verse uh, 31, uh, Mark chapter 3, in verse 31, Mark 3, verse 31. And it says, and his mother and his brothers came, standing outside, they sent to him and called him, they sent to Jesus and called him. Verse 32, and a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. Verse 33, and he answered them, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking uh, about at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. See, Jesus has, has already set it up. He, he's already said that uh, the relationships will be reconfigured in heaven. But I know that you're asking yourself, but you know that's, that's good. That's good. But how will I get over the fact that I live with this person for 20 or 30 or 40 years and this person was my soulmate this person was my life how can I just completely dismiss that brothers and sisters you know much like uh, a great desire that you may have for ice cream which will disappear in heaven or for sugar or for bread whatever that thing is that you have that you can't get over that once we get to heaven that you're not going to have that need anymore because God will be your all in all. And then you'll begin to look at all your sisters and brothers. Imagine that. You're going to have more mothers and more sisters and, and, and that very thing. I know I, I know this is uh, somewhat hard because we have been taught or we have been fought uh, differently over time. But the fact remains that Jesus says this is the proper biblical view of heaven and relationships in heaven. But you don't have to worry about if you're going to be crying because I really want to see my mom and things like that. And I tell you what, uh, you probably will see you, and you probably see them, and you probably will know there's a special relationship that existed between you and them. But I tell you this also for your brothers and sisters that don't know Jesus Christ, you need to get them saved. So Jesus says again that the angels that people will be like the angels in heaven in regard to to marriage. Again, no, 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 no. In Acts uh, 23, verse 8, again it says here, uh, for the Sadducees say uh, that there is no resurrection, nor angel, nor spirit, but the Pharisees acknowledge them all. So the Sadducees said, nope, we don't believe any of that stuff. But the Pharisees said, "The Pharisees said, yes, we believe all of those things. The Sadducees couldn't get with the idea of you know, once you die, how your disembodied spirits, uh, those spirits that have been removed from your body, they were thinking they're just going to be floating around kind of anywhere, right? Uh, I had turned the channel uh, uh, yesterday. I was watching uh, television, and as I always do, I flip channels for about an hour and a half before I make a decision. And finally, once I make a decision, the program that I want to watch is going off, right? But anyway, as I was flicking through, uh, there was a group of people. I think there's about four or five people. They said, "Yeah, well, we're going to talk to the spirits here in the room, right?" And they had, uh, and they had it in black and white. My first question is, why y'all got it in black and white? This is color, right? Let's see it all in color. Color. So you had everybody just put one hand on the glass and they all put one hand on the glass and the guy who was leading them through this thing he says okay if the spirit is with us uh, that the glass is going to move and then uh, all of a sudden uh, the glass begins to move and as the glass begin to move I just turn I just turn the channel because number one either they were lying or that was a demonic spirit simple as that why waste my time on that mess amen why waste my time on that mess but the resurrection is as certain as god is real the resurrection is as certain as god is real verse 26 of mark 12 and as for the dead being raised have you not read in the book of moses the passage about the bush how god spoke to him saying i am the god of abraham and the god of isaac And the God of Jacob, he is not God of the dead, but of the living. You are quite wrong. So, the existence of God and how how he is worshiped approves the resurrection. Uh, Jesus mentions uh, the passage about the bush and how God spoke to Moses. Why didn't Jesus just mention that it was in the book of Exodus and so on and so forth, right? Why didn't Jesus mention the book, the chapter, and the verse number? Because if he is God, surely he would have known all of that. Well, it's quite simple. Because chapter and verse division didn't happen until thousands of years later. Finally, some people said, let's go ahead and divide the Bible up into these particular things. So it didn't exist at the time. So Jesus, he would just mention a particular thing. Now, Jesus uses here the present tense, right? Uh, when speaking of God, he didn't say that, uh, that God was uh, was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and, and Jacob. He didn't say was past tense. He said that God what? That he is. He didn't say that he was, but he says that he is. And just for a quick reference, Exodus chapter 3, verse 6. Exodus 3, verse 6. And, and, and he said... I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. So Jesus, his response from Exodus was important. It was important that he respond to them because they only recognize as their biblical authority only Genesis through Deuteronomy. Only those books. So Jesus, his response, it came from those books that they recognized. Well, how could they deny their own authoritative source of their faith? But it is with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, whom God made a covenant with, with these men, the living God, he gave a living promise that would extend as far as the eye could see and then further. Further. If this is true, then what should we have in mind concerning the resurrection? It is true of the fathers then and now, and it will be true of you if you know Jesus Christ. So the implications of what Jesus has said is huge. If God causes His fathers, uh, His followers, if God causes His followers to live after being dead for centuries. And should it not be true for you who have the hope in Jesus Christ who went before you and who was resurrected himself? At the end of the day, Jesus, in response to his distractors, uh, does not appeal to Scripture per se, even though he says uh, the passage about the bush, but he appeals to the personhood of God. Appeals to God's own nature. Uh, he didn't have to turn to Isaiah chapter 26, verse 19, which says, uh, Your dead shall live, their bodies shall rise. Who, you who dwell in the dust, awake and sing for joy, for your dew is a dew of light, and the earth will give birth to the dead. Uh, Jesus did not have to appeal to that. No, Jesus appeals to to God's very nature, who he is. God is alive. His essence, that's who he is. So if you know Jesus Christ, you too will be resurrected. And always remember that God is the God of the living and not the God of the dead. There are no dead people worshiping God in heaven right now. No dead people worshiping God in heaven right now. There will be no graves in the heavenly courts with tombstones that read of their occupants that at one time we worshiped God when we lived. No, that will not be true of heaven. And if the chief end of mankind is to worship God, then your chief purpose for being in heaven is also to worship him. And you can't do that if you're dead. So, brothers and sisters, know that death will not break the promises of God for you. That all the promises that God has made to you, death cannot stop it. Death does not break your relationship with God. Your relationship continues with God when you pass away. Death is not a gulf. Death is a quick bridge. Be something like uh, while you're in your house, right, and you are are sitting in the kitchen having dinner or wherever you have dinner in your house, and you decide to go to your bedroom, when you go from one room to the next room, do you stop being who you are? So when we move from uh, this earthly realm to the heavenly realm, you will be you, except you're going to be a better you. Amen? You're gonna be better, you're gonna be stronger, you're gonna be smarter. You're gonna be more in love with Jesus Christ. You're not gonna get tired. People are not going to get on your nerves. You don't have to worry about your kids, you don't have to worry about your parents, you don't have to worry about your job, you don't have to worry about what you're gonna eat, you don't have to worry about what you're gonna do. That God is going to take care of it all, and you will be at peace, perfect peace, with God in heaven. And for that, can you say Amen? amen hallelujah lord thank you jesus be assured you will not have a hole in your heart it will not exist brothers and sisters because you're not going to be married in heaven jesus will take care of all of your emotional needs but until then then you remain blessed in all of your relationships now but also remember that there will be a resurrection for everyone. Some will be resurrected to judgments and damnation, and others will be resurrected to heaven. Finally, C.S. Lewis says, there's only going to be two type of people in the end. Those people who say to God, "Thy will be done. And those who God will say, Okay, then your will.